It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmuck, Lance Meadow, Jeff Fiegel's with you. The phone number is 201-939-4513. Three-day weekend, the observance of Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And six games of playoff football. We'll get to those in a little bit real briefly. But, guys, we should start with uh, the news, I suppose, with the Giants general manager search over the weekend. Three more candidates. And now there are nine that the Giants have confirmed to interview for the general manager search. There are some reports out there this morning that there are some finalists. The Giants have not confirmed any of that yet. I think I saw one name earlier today. I don't know if the Giants are going to confirm who the finalists are or not. I, I honestly don't know, but they haven't confirmed any of those yet. So the search continues. And then, of course, the search for the head coach begins. And I think the the common thread here, guys, with the general manager search is that they're Talking to guys from very successful organizations, the 49ers, Tennessee Titans, the Buffalo Bills, the Baltimore Ravens, uh, the Arizona Cardinals, although they did not have success over the weekend. And I think that covers all the, all the organizations of guys that they spoke to, unless I'm forgetting somebody. So that, that seems to be, Lance, the, the common refrain here. Find a good organization that's having success and, and, and try to bring that success to yours. Yeah, the last two candidates both come from the San Francisco 49ers organization, Adam Peters and Ryan Carthon, who obviously is the son of Maurice Carthon, so he is familiar to Giants fans. And yeah, they're certainly looking for individuals that are tied to success, whether it be at the general manager position, whether it be from a scouting background position, because I think the Giants realize that if they're going to turn things around, as we've been emphasizing on this show, it needs to start with the draft. The other thing that is important to note is now the Giants have a little bit more competition as they search for a new GM because the Raiders parted ways with Mike Mayock the other day. So the Raiders now have joined the Bears, the Vikings, and the Giants. There's now four teams looking for GMs and head coaches. So that's going to be also interesting as the Raiders now begin their process. Do they go after some of the candidates that the Giants are interested in? But as you alluded to, John, I think the next step is with – them doing their due diligence at so many candidates, now it'll be interesting to see do the Giants hone in on two to three individuals as they begin the second layer of this process because I don't think at this point there's any indication that the Giants are looking to rush things even though they've already interviewed nine. I would think they're probably going to go through a second layer of interviews and then maybe they'll determine exactly who they want to pin. Yeah, and Jeff, that's something they've done before and this mm-hmm. first set have all been via teleconference or you know Zoom calls, video calls, whatever you want to call it, you figure they're going to want to bring whatever the finalist group is in for longer in-person interviews, and then they'll make their final decision. Yeah, I I think that that's that's spot on. I I think that, you know, I think it'll be a three, the final three, and they'll interview them all in person. And, um, you know, I think all of us hope that they they get it right, but get get it done quickly here. (laughs) I mean, I, I would hate for the Giants to lose out on this cycle of hiring coaches sooner or later, but... You know, I think that um, it's the process, and I think that they did their due diligence. Um, they vetted the guys, and now we'll soon enough find out. And I think it's exciting to know that we're getting close, and the Giants got to be pretty excited to know that the people that they are bringing in the building 
are going to be very, very good candidates, and I think everybody will be excited about that. And it is important to note, guys, that no other head coaches have been hired yet, right? Yeah. So most yeah. of the guys that people were looking to interview were playing in the playoffs this week. So mm-hmm. they weren't going to be able to interview any of those guys anyway. Some of the guys that have been mentioned as potential head coaching candidates for other teams are still playing now. So yeah. those interviews can't happen until either the team's eliminated or you get to that bye week prior to the Super Bowl in case uh, for the two teams that are in the Super Bowl. So uh, – Guys are not flying off the market here now. You probably don't want to, you know, wait two or three more weeks to 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 get to your head coach hire. But as of right now, you know, everything is still pretty much wide open. So what do you guys think? I mean, I think it's I would imagine that after this week it's going to be announced that who the GM was and then and then all of a sudden, I mean, within I got to think like the middle of next week, don't you think? I would say the latest the the GM would get hired would probably be like, you know, press conference on Monday. Yeah. Would probably be the latest, I would think. I don't think you need much more than two or three days this week to do your final interviews, and then you got to come to your final decision, Lance. That sounds about right. Yeah, I would think by the end of this week, early next week, they probably will finalize the process. I mean, as you mentioned, they're not behind the eight ball in terms of going for a head coach, but. Guys, I think you need to just take into consideration, just look at the NFL calendar in general. Before you know it, February is going to be here, Super Bowl is going to be over, and then every team starts to turn the page towards the draft process between the Senior Bowl and the Combine. So I would think you'd want somebody in place just to get a little bit of a head start in terms of laying out, okay, what are the priorities? Because remember, the process then to find a head coach is yep. going to eat up some time. You want both of those individuals in place as you start to begin the early stages of the draft process. So, yeah, they're not necessarily in a precarious spot where, oh, my God, you got to look at the clock and say you got to make a hire tomorrow. But I would think that as January wraps up, you want to feel as if you have those two individuals in place. So once the Super Bowl ends, all of a sudden it's a straight line moving forward into the draft process. Just for reference, the first Senior Bowl practice is two weeks from today. Well, there you go. Yeah. And you know know down there that's a big hiring uh, fair. You know, for coaches. For assistance to come in. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that. Well, if, in, if you guys remember, Joe Judge was literally hiring his staff <laughs> during Senior Bowl practice week last, uh, two years yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a big it's a big convention, if you will, hiring convention. The other thing, too, is that and I, and I think that as we go through this draft process every year and towards the end of it, when the draft is over, you see a lot of the scouting departments kind of if there's changes, they make them then because they they want to get all the work in before. Do you guys feel that if there is um, going to be some changes within the scouting department because of the new general manager and some of the things that he wants to implement, do you feel that that might be something that's done quickly or do you feel like they'll just utilize the guys that are here now and you know go through that process because of what Lance said and how close we are to it being there? Um, that you just wait, and then once the season or the draft is over, you know, like like many teams, they make changes then. What do you guys think about yeah, that? Yeah, Jeff, it's an interesting question. I mean, my personal opinion, I would think that probably major moves, meaning like a complete revamp, if that's what the new general manager wants to do, probably wouldn't happen until after the draft is over because, yeah. Jeff, you have to understand, the scouting department. They've been doing the all guys, the work. They were on the road yeah. the entire year. That's right. Now, yeah. the only thing that I would say is, Jeff, if the new GM comes in and he's bringing three or four of his closest guys with him who went through the draft process for another team and that other team 
has yeah. also parted ways from those individuals. Maybe that changes the dynamics. But more often than not, what happens is is you go through this draft process, you hang on to your scouts because they were the ones on the road, and then once the draft ends, then you bring in your new guys to begin the new cycle. The best example I think I could give you is the Buffalo Bills when Sean McDermott was oh, hired as the head this. coach. Yeah. Yeah. He brought in Brandon Bean as the general manager who actually worked under Dave Gettleman in Carolina, and then they made a change to the scouting department after the draft. So meaning they went with all of their scouts who were currently in-house. Then once the draft ended, they all of a sudden decided to go in a different direction. So I would think the major heavy lifting would be yeah. taking place after the yeah, draft. Yeah, my thought, Jeff, on that, I'm with Lance. I think the general manager maybe could bring in a couple guys that help him make some of the major decisions, right? Yeah, and maybe those guys that, that he bring in are getting promotions from what they were at before. You correct. Know? And yeah. those are yeah. the guys that he trusts to help evaluate with yeah. him. But you cannot overhaul an entire scouting staff right. at this right. time of year. And who knows? Who knows You know how much he's going to want to overhaul the scouting staff. The Giants have a lot of really young scouts that whoever the new general manager is going to be can try to mold here. That's only been doing it for a couple of years. These aren't guys that are like setting their ways, right? Yeah. So the old big overhaul, if it happens, I think would happen later. Um, but I think because you know you can't start from scratch here, so much of the scouting work is already done and the reports are in. Mm-hmm. You can't start over now. It it's just not going to work. Yeah, yeah. And I I, I agree with you guys there. And it, it's difficult because I mean you. The, the general manager, the new general manager, whatever organization he's coming from, you know, he's obviously working in that type of atmosphere, the scouting and things like that, where he would have access to a lot of the information. But um, it's just, you know, you want to you want to rely on what's here already and then be able to make some moves after after the uh, the whole process is over. And I see that the process has begun for one John Schmelk after posting on Twitter today his new notebook nope. that I saw on two. No. Yep. Fresh yeah. notebook. Fresh yes. notebook. There it is. 2022 NFL draft. Nice there in red. Red, black ink. You're ready to go. What's on the first page? What will be the first page of John Schmelk's draft book? Well, I have, I have a, it, it's a three subject notebook. So the way I do it is that the first section is all the notes that I make from the senior bowl and combine, you know, mm-hmm. like mock, like, you know, ranking players, you know, notes like that. Section two is all the offensive players. So I'll have one oh. page each for offensive guys, right? And it's front and back, so I have room for 100 offensive players, 100 defensive players. The section three will be defensive players. And I think the first player that I will watch, and I already wrote down the name, I hope to watch him either this afternoon or tomorrow morning, will be Kayvon Thibodeau, defensive end out of the University of Oregon. He will mm-hmm. be first up. The consensus <clears throat> at this point, number sure. one pick in the draft. Yeah, and that will, that will go back and forth, right? Because <laughs> Hutchinson's there. There are going to be all kinds of different ones going back and forth there. But um, there's certainly... A lot of nice, good-looking players that you can start to evaluate, and it's a little exciting. Um, it's going to be a long process, as it always is, but it goes by quick. Before you know it, we'll be like a week away from the draft, and I won't have any. I will not have any hair to pull out. You guys, well, John, no, really, no, I don't either. Yeah, no, yeah. no, Tatino and Meadow have plenty. Well, Tatino doesn't have much either. Lance, you're the, you're, you're the one. Well, Tatino has more than I do, and you do, John. Uh, and definitely Lance is, you know, making up the back end of this one. So is that the new part of the draft process, Jeff? The yeah, you got to pull your hair out. Is that what we're adding? I want to see you this after the draft's over with just a little less hair than you have now, just so you can blend in with us. Well, in fairness, <laughs> Lance is the youngest of the group, so he should yeah. have the most hair. That's that is right. True. Okay. Yes. Well, don't rush my life. Yes. I want- <laughs> 
God, we don't want to rush your life, that's for sure. In fact, I don't even want to get into that debate with you, so I'm, we'll just move on from here. <laughs> I subscribe to that philosophy at Game Plan. Good, yes. good. But the other thing in all seriousness that I'll add is I think the fascinating part maybe of this year's draft conversation is going to be where do the quarterbacks, where does that chatter end up? Meaning right now, coming yeah. in, there's not a lot of hype surrounding that position, but you know somebody's gets, yeah. stock is going to increase based on a senior bowl performance, based on a conversation that a scout has. So that, to me, is going to be interesting because every year there's teams that need quarterbacks, but does this group skyrocket in comparison to some of the other previous groups considering the hype is not there now. That's going to be, I think, something to monitor here moving forward. Yeah, and look, I, I on our last Giants huddle, I'll have a new one coming out later today with Paul Schwartz in the New York Post. But I did one with uh, Tony Pauline and Eric Crocker last Friday. It went up. And Lance, to your point, the first 10 minutes is on the quarterback class. Not that I necessarily think the Giants are going to go draft a quarterback, but because that's going to form – how this draft is approached, right? Are there going to be trades? How many players will get pushed down because quarterbacks go high? And just to give you an example, Tony Pauline, just on his big board, just based purely on his grades, his first quarterback on his board, take a guess. Where do you think it is, Lance? First quarterback, I would say at this point, I don't know, is it 15th overall? 28th. Okay. So pretty deep, correct. He says... In his in his grading system in college, all of these quarterbacks would have been ranked behind both Haskins and Daniel Jones from the draft a few years ago. Wow. So that's that's how he had it. But he also said, John, remember this. Pretty much all but one of the top quarterbacks in this class will be at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. And that event is a kingmaker sure. for quarterbacks in the draft. So, look, hopefully I'm going to be down there, you know, Pandemic pending. <laughs> oh, it's getting um, better. Yeah, ho- yeah, yeah. God willing, and you're gonna hear. Boy, he throws a good ball. Boy, he's showing a lot of leadership this week. You know, boy, he throws that sidearm pass. Doesn't that remind you of somebody? I'm not <laughs> saying he's Patrick Mahomes, but yeah, boy, yeah. that pass sure looked like it. Did you see that throw over the middle? Boy, I'm not saying he's as good as Josh Allen, but boy, he's got the tools like that. Like <laughs> Somebody's going to fall in love with the guy. Absolutely, happens. and yeah. somebody's going to move up. But I don't think this is going to be one of those drafts, guys, where you're going to have a ton of movement up top where guys are like trading Me up either. for quarterbacks. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be one of those. That's and, my and, feeling. And and really, when you look at the landscape of college football, none of the quarterbacks that really that we will be talking about have really done anything to get your attention when you think about it. You know, I mean, look at all the other ones in the past. These guys are all playing. You know, they're, they're in big time programs and this and that. I mean, Pickett's the only one that I can think of that's just when you look at his numbers, they're good. But, he, but you know, even he's Pittsburgh's not a major Pitts- program, exactly. I mean, in comparison to the others, at least I know it's ACC, but sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, and it's not like Pittsburgh was putting up forty points a game either. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that I think you're spot on there, and I, I you know, that's. When you when you say down that low, obviously thirty two picks in the first round and the twenty eighth being a quarterback, I mean that's uh, that's pretty. I mean that just goes to show you that all the other guys in the draft that aren't quarterbacks got to be licking their chops, going, okay, we're going to be able to move up this year. Got no QBs in here. Here we go. Now I, I have not watched a second of these quarterbacks, so I, I do not have no. an opinion on any of them. But as Lance points out. These guys always get pushed up because they teams do. are looking for quarterbacks. Because they're quarterbacks. That's yeah, the way well, it teams, works. Look, it's the most important position on the field. Teams need it. Yeah. And that senior bowl is really important to a lot of people. Uh, not only mentioning what you did as far as quarterbacks go, but, you know, 
there's a lot of talk and, and things that happen with some of the other positions, I, it's particularly linemen. I think, you know, because of all the one-on-one drills and things that they do at practice. Yep. Um, wide receivers, too, in those one-on-one. And wide receivers, I was going to say next, you know. And then I feel like the wide receivers are a little bit more exposed in the game because of the passing game. Yep. Where a lot of people, the linemen are during the week when they have practices, those one-on-one stuff, that their guys are just just balling out there for every practice and getting more pass sets and run blocking than they've ever had in their life. And I think that that's just True. important for those guys. And by the way, the defensive line too, because they're not going against air. They got to have somebody across from them, those offensive linemen. And so uh, I, I would one day love to go down to, to that senior bowl. I know it probably will never happen, but I can imagine just watching some of those practices. That's where I would hey, be. Jeff, would, would you like me to put a word in for you? See if we can get you down there this year if you yeah. want to go. Hey, I'll go. Absolutely. Right. I feel let me like see what I can do. I feel like that. Um, th- that would I would spend time down there. That's where I would like you know, and also watching some of the spe- the specialists. No, right. just kidding. No, <laughs> no, well, you would be all over those kickers. <laughs> all right, and the long snappers. So, yes. guys, yeah. v- very quickly, I've I got calls on the line here. I want to get to them before right. we end that. Anything you pick up from the playoff games this weekend Woo! without doing individual analysis, Boring. but just talking about <laughs> the games in terms of how you view the league, how you view the Giants, big picture stuff that you maybe took out of the weekend of games. Well, I think it starts again with the trenches, which is really what we talk about yeah. more often than not around this time of the year. If you look at the teams that dominated over the course of the weekend that we had a number of lopsided affairs, the Bills, they absolutely beat up New England on both sides of the ball. It was probably one of their most impressive rushing attacks outside of Josh Allen because Singletary had a good game. Mm-hmm. And defensively, they got pressure on Mac Jones and they took away the New England run game. So that jumps out to me right away. The Rams, I think, pretty much did exactly what the Bills did last night. They also dominated on both sides of the ball. They were up in Kyler Murray's grill. So, you know, that to me right away, if you've got your house in order on the offensive line and also the defensive line, meaning you have a variety of guys that get after the quarterback, you can stop the run, which was an area that the Giants, I think, took a step back. Those are absolutely, to me, the biggest trend that I would take away. And then the last one I would throw in and I don't know necessarily if this is a reflection of just postseason teams because we've seen this certainly with the Giants and regular season teams that didn't make the playoffs, is the easiest way for an ultra-talented deep team to get an early exit in the playoffs is mental mishaps, penalties, (laughs) brain farts, Mm -hmm. lack of game situation and awareness. I think that was on full display, obviously, with the Cowboys from start to finish. So that's an example of you can have a great roster. You could do your due diligence in free agency in the draft, and then if the level of execution doesn't equate to what you have on the roster, you're going to be a spectator for the majority of the playoffs. I hear it. Real quickly, so I I know that you know the Dallas game is this, you're spot on there. I will tell you, I was telling a bunch of people this, you know, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, they're the greatest of all time for a reason. Those guys are so ultra prepared and they are so in tune with situational football. Did you ever see that happen to those two guys ever? Things like that? No, because they're just drilled with it, right? I and I see what happens there. It's just one extra layer that that team didn't go over with the with the whole mishap there. The other thing too is I feel like we know penalties. Penalties will cost you games, you know that. So that I mean, the Cowboys just had they, they just committed way too many penalties. At 14, Jeff. To win yeah. a franchise record, and right? And so yeah. many of those for automatic just, first downs. Oh, and and especially the last one, the Greg, Randy oh. Gregory one. Okay, that that's how do you do that? And by the how, way, a pointless penalty. Like a it was, pointless penalty. You were out of the play. He was away from the play, yeah. The other thing to me, and by the way, 
you know, I've told you guys this many times about how prepared Tom Coughlin was with his team and those Friday meetings about how we knew the statistics about everything. You know, though, that's just going to show you why Tom Coughlin won two Super Bowls. His team was was prepared. May not have been the best talented team, but we were prepared at when we went into the last two minutes of a game or a half or things like that. Things weren't going to happen like that, which gave us a better chance to win. Yeah. To me, the big takeaway real quickly for me around the weekend, you've got to have a quarterback. Oh, look. Jeff, you stole my answer. Go ahead. You <laughs> right? Got it. You got Seriously, it. look at the quarterback play this weekend. <laughs> oh, my God, it makes you throw up. It's like, and it's good. It's, it's fun watching uh, how these guys absolutely can take your team to, you know, the moon. It's just unbelievable to me. Jeff, look, just look at the games. Yeah. Joe Burrow, better yeah. quarterback than, than, than Derek. And, and, and not that Derek Carr's a bad quarterback, but no. I think Joe Burrow's a better t- player. Yep. They win the game. Josh Allen, obviously much better than Mac Jones. Mac Jones is a rookie. That's not taking a shot at Carr or Mac Jones, by the way. Burrow and Allen are just that good. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady, obviously much better quarterback mm-hmm. than Jalen Hurts, who, who, you know, I thought Jimmy Garoppolo played better than Dak Prescott did in mm-hmm. that game. Both mm-hmm. of them had one turnover. I thought He's hurt. Dak Prescott has got something going on. And you know him. what, though? I, I, I know people were killing him. They had five sacks. I thought he was holding the ball. It's almost like he <laughs> couldn't find guys open. There. I haven't looked at the old 22 I was going to look at that today. I'm curious to see if guys were open or not down the field. Anyway, Patrick Mahomes, obviously much, much better than, than Ben Roethlisberger at this point of his career. Chiefs blow out in that game. And then in Rams-Cardinals, I mean, Kyler Murray has not been the same since that knee injury. Yeah, like, and also he, since he lost DeAndre Hopkins, well, too. Well, that, that too, obviously. Yeah. And then, you know, the Rams just you know outplayed the Cardinals in that game. So I'm with you. I think those are all very good takeaways. All right, 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Hey, Giant fans, get your season tickets for 2022 today. For only 100 bucks. limited seats available. Speak with the Giants ticket representative now and become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925. Let's open up the phones and go with Dan in Connecticut. He will lead us off. Dan, what's going on, man? Hey, hey, hi guys. What's up? I uh, I enjoy your show. I, I podcast every day, listening at work. I'm a first time caller. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to see if I can make a couple comments on uh, Gettleman. Please go right ahead. I've been a fan. I've been a fan since Fairfield. Then I was an usher at the Yale Bowl when I was a little kid. But um, you know, I get a little worked up. Uh, Gettleman. You know, he came in and said he was going to fix the offensive line. Then he drafted Barkley. You know, we should have took Nelson. Okay, then he doubled down and took Tony. We should have took Slater. He let Zeitler go. And then Joe Judge is standing there, and they let that guy Fleming go, who was better than Pert and Solder. Basically, that's all I got to say. Hey, look, Dan, if there's one thing, if you want to trace the issues in the last four years for where things have gone wrong and for the offense struggling, a lot of names and faces have changed and everything like that. The one thing that was consistent, the offensive line never played well enough to win consistently. No, I don't think anyone here would ever argue with that. Right, guys? Fair? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no I, don't, I don't wish any, anything bad on people, but I think that the guy must have got you know, the marijuana for his cancer. Oh, because come on, Dan, He ruined our franchise for the next seven years. I well, first of all, I, th- but, I think I, I think first of all, I think that's a little strong. Two, I also believe he did not come into a great situation where he t- took a year to clean up the whole thing, and he did attempt to fix the offensive line. Remember, we talked about this, guys. They threw a lot of money in Nate Solder. Yeah, they used a second-round pick on Will Hernandez. used a first-round pick on Andrew Thomas. They used a third-round pick on Matt Parrott. They traded for Kevin Zeitler. They, just, they, they did not 
make the right decisions with the players that they either brought in or let go in order to build a good enough unit. Let's not, please, Dan, get into, like, cancer. Come on. Well, and there were Let's, also hold on, no, but there were also issues with the offensive line before he even took oh, over of course, as exactly. general manager. Hundred percent. I mean, that I think is important sure. to emphasize, John. Not to excuse some of the things that the caller brought up, but let's not make it sound like he walked in and inherited a group that was solidified. Correct. Yeah. <clears throat> Did you guys ever see the Rocky movie where uh, Rocky had to chase the chicken? Of course. Every line, every lineman should should go and do that on that team that he drafted. But that's all I got to say, guys. I really enjoy the show. It Thank gets you, me through my day, and, and I enjoy all you guys. Thank I appreciate you. that. Thank you very much. I feel like that's like a Tino line chasing. I, you know, I, I, think that, I think in order to work out some of Paul's energy, we should have him chase the chicken. Yeah, that right. would be bad. I think he, Except, maybe he does. I, it's oh. just, we haven't got it on tape yet. Well, Paul doesn't deal with live animal stock, though. He normally <laughs> wants his animals dead already so he can eat the meal. <laughs> so that's why he probably wouldn't throw something out like that. Deep fried, smothered in breadcrumbs, mozzarella cheese, and the yeah. marinara Correct. sauce. Yeah, but Paul but, doesn't but, want to do but the John, heavy lifting. Don't, don't, John, don't you yeah. forget the oregano. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, you need to you know take something for a headache, right? His favorite line or whatever that yes. is. Excedrin. Yes, yeah, Excedrin. Excedrin. yes even though yes. I tell him a million yes. times not to use the product name, he continues <laughs> to use the product name. He does because nobody knows that name. Just use like yeah. Advil or something. Correct. No, like, use just, one of the main yeah, Just say ones. headache player. You don't have to use oh yeah you don't have the to use name that name of a product. oh just oh. say a headache oh player. hello we right over my head sponsors <laughs> somebody that right gives the defense head. a headache period yes, yes. thank you sorry not the same way he insists on his fake name for washington just call the washington <laughs> well hey we're supposed to know that month, new name in a yeah, few weeks we're actually going to get a new name for them yeah so. today we'll see. No, two weeks yeah. two weeks correct uh, two so we'll see whether or not he can actually adopt that new name Anyway, let's, let's go to Mark in Jersey City. <laughs> He's up next. I got him, Andrew. Mark, what's going on? Oh, how you guys doing? Always a pleasure to listen to you guys, Thank even you. though I'm not Thank a Giants you. fan. But, but I am a Bills fan. That's a hell of a job yeah. by your team. That must have felt sweet knocking the Patriots out like that, Mark. I can only imagine. Oh, the nectar was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. And I, there... still, I, still, I still drink it from that fountain today. That's how long it's lasted. I'm, but... A little thing for you guys. You must have enjoyed watching the Cowboys season end like <laughs> And the Eagles. Both. Yeah. They just both played one more game than the Giants did. That's all I got to say. Now, I will say <laughs> this. I think the other takeaway, Mark, and guys, is that I think we saw a pretty stark delineation. I think this was maybe what we saw as the drawback of having that extra team in the postseason, right? Where I think maybe you're getting some teams in now when they have to play, like, the two seed. That that might not be the most competitive game in the world in the first round. And I think we saw a pretty, you know, stark line drawn. Or, all right, well, this team, all right, you know, Dallas and San Francisco, they played a close game, yeah. you know, stuff like that. But there are other games where you're like, oh, boy, that team maybe not, like, really on the same level as some of these other postseason teams. <clears throat> Steelers. Agree. Well, but think about this. Pittsburgh and Philadelphia were pretty much the last teams in essentially yep. in their respective That's my playoff point. brackets. Yeah, no, but the only other thing that I'll throw out, though, in fairness, is the Rams and the Cardinals, that was a 4-5 matchup. Correct. And Arizona didn't look like it was the same well, stratosphere yeah. in as fairness, the Rams. But sometimes so, but sometimes you, know. you are going to have blowouts. But I, but I think uh, getting those extra teams in there. Now, some years you might get a good team in there, sneaking in with the last seed if they're peaking at the right time. Sure, yeah. This yeah. year it didn't work out, though. Well, I mean, listen, we've seen six seeds under the old format go on runs or wild card teams, so it's not crazy. It's just... Listen, 
we know why they expanded the playoffs. We're in an age where there's money marketing and opportunities. That was the big, obviously, rationale. Yep. Has it hurt the product? I wouldn't go so far that it's hurt the product. I just don't think the early results thus far have been perhaps what they right. had anticipated in terms of a few additional more competitive games. But, guys, not to get off topic, it's no different than the debates we have in college football about expanding the yep. playoff. People look at right the semifinals. They say, well, you can't even get four games that are competitive. What makes you think if you go to 12 or eight teams, it's going to be any better? So it's the same thing we're seeing now in the NFL. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, Mark, I'm sorry. I, I totally hijacked your call. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, but Joe Schoen, uh, well, when Brandon Bean uh, was hired after McDermott, he gutted the entire – they knew they were getting fired. Everybody on that scouting staff knew they were gone. I mean, he just didn't get rid of them. I mean, it was everything. It was upwards of 70 to 80 people that you don't see, that you don't know work there. That's how – I mean, you don't not go to the playoffs for 17 years and have things be right in your building. Good point. Good point. And have seven head coaches and two interim head coaches. And not only that, you had two head coaches walk off the job, Mike Malarkey and Doug Marone. Well, Mark, help me out. Didn't new ownership come in recently at that point Mm -hmm. as well, too? Yeah, the Pagulas. 2014. But at the end of that year, Marone quits because he thinks he's getting the giant, the Jets job because of his agent being a hack. He doesn't get that job. <laughs> and um, um, the, the next hire at head coach, you'll love this one, the ultimate snake oil salesman, Rex Ryan. Okay, and so just, so, they got, so the they Pagulos got are there for, what, three years before they hired McDermott? Uh, no, that was, uh, no, uh, Rex, uh, yeah, well, yeah, McDermott came in in 2017. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Two and a half seasons um, because Rex got fired week uh, six, week 16 of 2016. But got anyway, it. they have to – the first thing that McDermott and Bean did was – and it'll, this will relate to the Giants. And this kind of predate, this kind of dates back to the end of Coughlin. Coughlin, McAdoo, uh, Shermer, and, and, and Judge. What's going on with all these injuries? You look at the Giants – IR list at the end of every year, it's no less than 10, 12 deep with two to three, four key players on it. And McDermott and Bean, they actually had a, a um, it was a call, it's a performance center. Or the, the main focus there that they have is soft, soft tissue injury prevention. You know, and it, it, it's worked. The last two out of three seasons, they've had the, um, their staff get, win an award for best training staff in the NFL. I didn't even know they gave out that award, but the, the Bills announced it <laughs> on their thing. <clears throat> and so I just thought that for the Giants, what do they say, the best ability, the availability, they need to figure out what's going on there or not going out, going on there. So, you know, they're, they're having guys get injured at practice. Well, but Mark, in fairness, I understand what you're saying, and I don't necessarily disagree with the big picture, but if you look at some of the Giants' injuries this year, it was well beyond soft tissue injuries. Okay, you oh, lost Nick oh, Gates oh, to a broken leg. I mean, yeah, that's not a soft tissue. Yeah. You lost Saquon you know, Shane Lemieux to a patellar tendon injury. You know, Saquon stepped on the foot of a Dallas Cowboys defender, which is, you know, one of those, hey, just bad timing type of situation. Sterling Shepard tore his Achilles. You know, we're not talking about hamstring Blake injuries. Blake Martinez here. tore his ACL. Yeah. So, 
I, oh, I think you I also need to look at the nature of the injury. And the other thing I'll throw out is look at the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners have been ravaged by injuries, including Jimmy Garoppolo. Yet despite all of the volume of injuries, Kyle Shanahan still does a very effective job in keeping that team's head above water. You know, Mark, and they somehow stay competitive. And I think the other thing, Mark, that you look at too, which I think is kind of the interesting part, is that they have changed strength and conditioning staffs the last three, four years. So it's not like it's been the same people doing that <laughs> yeah. part of the deal over the last five years, it has changed. In fact, they've had now, if you go back to the last year of McAdoo to the judge staff, you've had three different strength and conditioning coaches. So they've tried to make adjustments in that area for whatever reason, whether it's the, 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 the players they're bringing in that maybe are just more prone to injury than others or whatever, it just hasn't worked. Can I give you guys a little bit of insight here? Of so, course, you please, know, Jeff. What what happens is, and there this this changed. I don't know how many years ago, but you know, back in the, and I when I'm saying the old days, I'm not going 30 years ago. I'm just saying this was very recent within the last maybe 10 to 12 years. Um, there was a lot of guys that were, you know, they were getting their own training guys. You know, where like in the off season they were training with their people. Yep. And so you get different philosophies outside the building than you do inside the building. Well, and especially, Jeff, the last two years when there really wasn't a spring program here. That's so right. So that's essential. That's right. So what happens is these guys come into the building from training outside the facility. They want to continue what they have built up through the offseason by incorporating it into the building routine. Well, the building routine guy says, no, I want to change it this. So there's a little bit of a – and now I'm not trying to create a problem here, but I'm just trying to give some – spread some – you know, just a little bit – shed a little bit of light no, on some of these situations. Like and so I feel like what, when you can get a regular routine where everybody's in the building for the off-season workout programs, um, a lot of the guys' incentives are built into these types of things where, you know, you work out X amount of percentage of the time here in the building, you get a little extra workout bonus, things like that. I think that that will change a little bit, but I feel like that's kind of the hindrance. Now, you're never going to avoid those injuries that you guys just you just did because you just you just can't. Those are part of the game, and unfortunately, they come. You know, they can. Some teams have more than others, but the soft tissue stuff I feel like is affected by some of the things that I just said, and that could be the truth or not the truth. But I feel like when I was leaving the league, which is about ten years ago. This was this was starting to happen, and I know for sure because I know the strength and conditioning coaches very well for this team that a lot of this is talked about. So you know that's kind of one of the reasons that it could be. So there you go. You got something else, Mark? Before we go, to the next caller. Oh no, guys! I was just 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 that was my insight on it. I know there's injuries you can't prevent. It was like with Gates, that was a horrible injury, and just just yeah. like what Jeff was talking about, like load management, tracking these guys. Um, yeah. putting their heads together, making sure the communication with everybody's right. Hey, you know, if you're working too hard, you're, you're doing this. And they're doing that. Doing they do that here, Mark. They got those sensors in their shoulder pads, and they're they're monitoring those guys every single day, you know. Yeah. yeah. I believe Catalyst is the company they use. But, yeah, guys, thanks for taking my call, and I uh, appreciate your uh, your time. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate right, the call. There's another plug for a for, uh, <laughs> company. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they got a statistic yeah, for everything at correct. this point. So. 201-939-4513. Let's go to Cliff in New York. He's up next. Cliff, how's it going, pal? Okay. Um, about the draft, um, the, the reason I was, I was uh, feeling good about the last four drafts was because I, I thought that you didn't necessarily have to find a superstar in the draft. You just were looking for guys that could be reliable starters for an extended period of time. 
And uh, I don't know if you agree with that, but uh, when I was just looking at the list, there's like 33 draft choices, and I, I see guys that seem like they're NFL players. And that was a big contrast to my basketball team, where for a few years the commentators were pointing out that they had guys that weren't NBA players. And I didn't think that was our problem the last few years. I thought we had NFL players. Uh, Cliff, I agree, but I will say this too. To get your generational talents, you almost yeah. have to always get those players through the draft. Like, oh, the, sure. like, like these guys that are perennial all-pros that never leave their starting franchise, they're drafted. Like, like you know, Aaron Donald, draft pick. Um, right. and, you know, so that's where you have to get the great ones. You hope that Andrew Thomas and Xavier McKinney are two of those guys for the Giants based on how they played the last couple of years. But eventually in the draft, if you want to be a great team, you need to have great players. And where are you going to get those great players are in the draft. So that's where you have to find those guys. Yeah, because the franchise right. tag makes it very difficult for those star players to leave because teams are protected. They could just continue yep. to give out the tag if they can't come to a long-term deal, at least initially. Okay, well, I, I'm still looking for both in the draft, and especially if we have high picks this year. But when you were talking about the due diligence before, is there any way that you can connect the due diligence on, on uh, the research of the players to – uh, future penalty committers, because I, I thought that we were big as an organization for forever on looking at character, maybe more so than others who, who might be unnamed and would be less likely to have people going to jail, things like that. I mean, um, uh, it, it's in the aftermath of that game last night, uh, uh, I, I'm seeing everybody's questioning the coaching. Well, what about the players? I mean, I mean, are, 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 is there some responsibility there? And is, can, those, can that tendency be rooted out in the due diligence that you guys were just talking about? Before? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no question. Look, and, and we talked about it this year. You know, people wanted to blame, you know, Joe Judge for Dexter Lawrence going offsides on a field goal attempt. That's, that's ridiculous. I mean, it's the player that, that, that physically goes offsides. Now, the Giants this year, I believe, had the sixth fewest penalties. Uh, in the league, so overall, their their penalty numbers weren't bad. I will preempt Lance's statement to say, but a lot of them came at bad times, so they were really painful that way. But look, I don't think character and penalties are the same thing. I think those are those are two completely different conversations. Um, yeah, I mean that is part of the scouting process, trying to figure that out, predicting what players are going to commit penalties. Though, I mean, you can look at how penal pe- penalized they were in college, but. And look, overall, you know, if your team is the highest penalized team in the league, you know, that's not just one player. That's like a team-wide issue. Then maybe you start looking at, at the coaching staff when it comes to that sort of stuff. But um, I'm not really sure I under- quite understand, Cliff, the question you're answering, asking, unless Jeff and Lance, you guys have a better idea? Well, they had 88 penalties, which was the seventh fewest in the NFL. And last year, they were, I believe, a top five team in fewest penalties, too. So the volume point has not really come back to bite the Giants. It's as you mentioned, John, I always argue timing. I guess my question, Cliff, is is there a specific player that you're pinpointing who you think has been troubling with the penalties? And then maybe we could try to tie this up. As far as particular players, I'm glad you mentioned Dexter because I I was sympathetic to him because – the way the field goal kicking has been the last, I don't know how many years, a 48-yard attempt at the end of, to, to win the game, I'm sitting there thinking, I have to do this. And maybe he saw the film of JPP in that famous game, uh, blocking a field goal attempt to win the game. I mean, I, I, I was easy on him with that. No, the point I'm trying to get at is it seems like 
the, the, there's, a, there's a huge mental aspect to the game. I mean, we sure. watch on TV, and, and, and um, uh, the, the, the penalties derive from the mental aspect, and that you don't see that. I don't think you see the mental aspect from, from film, do you? I mean, I mean, maybe you see some bad decisions that somebody makes, especially a quarterback, but, but I think when it, when it comes to really being willing to make the kind of preparation that you mentioned with, with Coughlin and Brady, and I remember Coughlin emphasizing that, Preparation. I'm sure it filtered down to the players. I mean, they were they were talking about doing extra work uh, to prepare um, on their own. And and um, I, I it seems to me you can find uh, uh, that in the interview process, uh, guys that have a, a mental approach to the game and don't just think that they can go out there and and be physical and, and win the day, which might have been their experience throughout high school and even through college. Oh, well, yeah, Cliff, if, if you're saying yeah. you can prioritize, <laughs> Jeff, intelligent players and guys you think are very smart and how you, Jeff, that's obviously something that, that yeah. you can prioritize. Uh, 100%. Well, I don't I, think that's yeah. smart. I don't think that's smart. I think that's an attitude. Mm. That, that just depends on what you're trying to get to. You know, I mean, there's there's the, the acumen for some of these guys is pretty off the charts, which is relative to their position they play. And for instance, the quarterback position, you know, I mean, yeah. I, uh, you know, the quarterback doesn't make a lot of penalties, but they make a lot of dumb plays. And if you're a yeah. dumb guy, um, I certainly don't want you under center for me. And by the way, in drafting intelligent guys was a very big Joe Judge thing. Like he only wanted smart guys on the roster. Yeah, because here's the thing with smart guys, right? They make up in, for their talent loss by being in the right place at the right time correct? because of their intelligence. And so there's a lot of guys in the league like that, you know, basically overachievers, if you will. And it allows coaches to do more too, right, Jeff, if you know the guys can handle it. Absolutely. And by the way, it also helps the other guys around you because they're, you know, for instance, you see them all the time. There's there's guys that just, you know, they're just, they're always making, they can play their own game and they do it well, but they're also making calls for these other guys, getting them lined up and this and that. And then, by the way, right after the ball snap, they make a play. And because they know where they've got to be. And I think that's very important. I'll give you a quick example. Terry Hogue was a guy that played with me in the, at the Eagles. He was a Rhodes Scholar. Not the greatest football player at all, but the Buddy Ryan 40, 46 defense, he mastered it. He knew it better than Buddy did. And so he would he, – that's how he played. Uh, and Buddy just relied on him being in the, on this defense, a lot like Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher was the first safety to play that in the 46 defense for Buddy Ryan. Same thing. Smart guy, not a great player, but was always in the right place at the right time. Jeff Fiegel's quoting Jeff Fisher as a player. There you <laughs> oh, go. I say he was part of the '86 Bears. So, I, you know, I know, '85 Bears, excuse me. I, I, yeah. I just love yeah. when 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 Jeff reveals how old he is. It makes me happy. <laughs> hey, well, at least I got the name right, Jeff Fisher. <laughs> that That's an easy true. name. Yeah. <laughs> well, those are easy names, though, Jeff. You brought up two. I just feel like names. names were much yes. easier back then, anyways. <laughs> They got a little bit more convoluted over the <laughs> they got a little more vowels in them followed. nowadays. And by yes. the way, this from a guy yeah. that played with Vi Sikahema in Philadelphia. I mean, come on. My man Vi. Yeah, I got tons of stories about Vi, too. <laughs> yeah. Loved Vi. Yep, still around there in the Philly area doing uh, Thank sports you, broadcasting. Appreciate so. the call. Yeah, I know, yes. I love Isaac Hammer. He used to you know, do the uh, the old punching bag routine on the goalpost when he got a special In fact, Joe days. Judge, one of his favorite guys was yeah, Isaac Hammer. I love Isaac Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if you saw world. the clip. There was a clip when he did the old, you know, the Rocky thing at the at the goal line. I did see that. Yeah. And uh, I was in there. I was in that clip because that was a touchdown, and we were coming in. I was coming in for the extra point. And so, um, you know, I just got my, you know, got my name in that one. So uh, maybe that could be the next Jeff Eagles Jeopardy clue. Yeah. (laughs) I daily double daily double. 
Uh, I was the only one thing I was upset about. It wasn't a daily double, but eight hundred well, bucks. But you're trending in that direction. I am just. Though. I'm moving up, man. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I actually funny because I, I I just flipped on Jeopardy the other day for just the heck of it, just to maybe see if I'd pop up there again. It didn't. Happen. So you're talking about in back to back days? You think you'd make an appearance? <laughs> <laughs> that would. Be I something. wishful thinking. Yes. Yeah. No, Extreme just, wishful thinking. I just wanted to, if it came up, I knew I would get one question right, so that would be good. <laughs> That's true. Well, I'd hope you'd get that right. Uh, hey, yeah. I'm a giver, man. I give my friends, everybody that saw that got the answer right, so they could say, hey, I watched Jeopardy, and I got one answer right. You know, there that's you go. Good. See, it pays to know somebody in passing. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's go to uh, Dan at Edgewater. He joins us next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's Hi, up, Dan. Man? Oh, hey, guys. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Lance. Hey, John. I love your show. I always listen. You get me through my days. I really appreciate you guys. You're Wonderful. Insight. Well, thank you for listening, um, Dan. Thanks What's for tuning in. Oh, no problem. So I was watching the games, just, you know, over the weekend, and the games were – I was really annoyed because they were so lopsided, a lot of them. I think only for the Dallas game. But what you saw in the teams, now, of course, there was a lot of bad matchups. But what I looked at was the teams that lost, bad quarterback play, bad decision-making, poor field position, a lot of turnovers, turnovers and penalties. Turnovers, you got it. Oh, my God. And then what I did notice, and when uh, the 49ers were playing Dallas, you know, because I was looking at the NFC teams, look how the Giants kind of, you know, match up with some of these other teams. You saw Bosa on the edge. He didn't always run, like, into the line. He kind of bull rushed straight and then contained Zach so they couldn't run outside. And their team speed and intensity was, like, off the charts. Like, and I really like that we have Jalen Smith, Ojolari, Carter seems to be coming uh, into his own. Hopefully we can keep him. But we just got to keep the, our interior line on both sides has to get better. I think our playmakers – are okay, but if you can't get down the field 20 yards, and you see the big plays that Stafford made, these 20-yard, uh, you know, slants and uh, these different routes, and the team speed and intensity. I know it's the playoffs; we, we get up for that. But um, I, I just saw that. I, I also thought I, I thought I was optimistic because I thought the Giants are a few players away on the, both the defense and offensive line. Especially defense. I like our defense. I think our linebackers got better. Blake Martinez comes back with Jalen Smith. I know you guys are kind of over the listening to the shows. Not everybody's on Jalen Smith. But I was a fan of him when he came out of um, the injury. Because I'm a physician. I do sports medicine, family medicine. And I treat soft tissue injuries. And what that caller made a good point. But the problem is the Giants, and Jeff, you could, uh, you could uh, test to this. The speed and force and power on that field, and the injuries that our team suffered, no prevention would have uh, would have prevented those injuries. So, I agree yeah. with you guys on that. Uh, it's good to and John made a great point about the off season workouts, because these trainers they can range from an online degree all the way to a PhD, and you don't know what they're doing in the off season, you know. Uh, but like you said, if you have more continuity within the training staff, uh, with without COVID. And hopefully, you know, the Omicron will go down and uh, we'll get out of this mess for the upcoming years. But keep up the good work. I, I, I'm looking forward to the upcoming shows about the GMs and the coaching staff. And uh, oh, and what about Golden? Were you guys happy for Golden when you saw him rushing the passer? And I was like, damn, I wish we had him last year. You know? Well, he had a good season. He had 11 sacks. He actually led the Cardinals this year. I don't think it was yeah. ever an issue yeah. about talent yeah. with Marcus Golden. He had a good Golden. season last year. Yeah, he had a good – so, you know, Golden has always been what a, was a the solid issue? player. Why did, he didn't, he didn't uh, mesh with Judge? Is, is that what it is? Or 
It wasn't the salary cap. Nah, look, it just seemed like even before he got moved, he just had trouble getting on the field. For whatever reason, it just mm-hmm. didn't seem to match. Uh, and 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 and, well, I, was and by the way, I, I never got a good answer. But even when he was healthy, Jeff, he just he yeah. he didn't seem to be getting more than thirty percent of the snaps. In, in games, you know, before he got moved, gotcha. when once Joe Judge came, I don't yeah. know why he didn't mix because he's a stand-up rusher, and you know, stand-up rushers, right? That's what that 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 that's what you're using Joe Judge's system and Patrick Graham's system. So I never quite understood why, Dan. I don't have a good answer for you, but it, it just right. it, it just didn't seem to work for whatever reason. Yeah, yep. Yeah, we just we just want players like that with that motor, you know. Hopefully, you know, the draft is kind, but we really got to address that offensive line. I know we go best player available. Um, but I like that guy Neil from Alabama, and then there's another guy that plays center and guard. I think he's Iowa. versatile. So hopefully we can get somebody. Yeah. All right. All Thank right, you, guys. Dan. Listen, keep it up. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Appreciate it, man. Good Thanks. stuff. Yeah. Appreciate the call. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Let's go to Neil in New York. He's up next. Hi, Neil. Hey guys, how you doing? Good. Doing well, Neil. How are you? Oh well, cold, cold and freezing up here. Um. Just wondering about cap space in general. Will there be an increase in the cap space this year? And I don't want to argue like whether this guy should be let go, but who's the biggest bang for the buck to get rid of? Like I know like Peppers is $12.5 million. I don't want to argue about it. Well, I mean, Pepper, well, he's a free agent. Pe- Pe- Peppers is a yeah. free agent, so it's not a matter of letting him go. He's a free agent either way. Oh, okay. So who who do we have? Like Blake Martinez. I mean, Blake Martinez you know, is in the last year of his contract, so that's not going to help you a ton. Okay, so there's nobody we can get rid of to make cap space. I I'm just going. I'm going. I'll just give you the straight up numbers here. Let me just go to the website I like to use for this. Um, there are not a lot of easy targets and again i'm going to mention some names here and this is just based off reports right this is not you know me advocating that the giants let go of any of these guys and now my internet of course is moving about one mile an hour exactly. here. um here we go i got it right here um so if you take a look at at, at where the giants are and again this I'm, I'm just taking this off of spot track um online here so we're going to go to 2022 this is where we are um you can save Let's see. You can save around $10 million on Bradbury if you want. You save no money on Galladay, no money on Adore Jackson, no money on Leonard Williams. You can save around $8 million on Blake Martinez. You could save about $4 million on Sterling Shepard. And that's... And you can save about five million on Rudolph. I think Riley Dixon was another. And one that that's about like it. Dixon is about three million. That is correct. So those are the oh, names. Yeah. But the problem is that with all those players, once you yeah, let go of that guy, you're going to have to replace that guy with somebody. You know, that's your starting best cornerback. That's your starting middle linebacker. So there aren't there aren't a lot of great possibilities. There is 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 my what point. What about? What about this year's cap? Will it go up? Because last year's cap went down, right? Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's going to go up. They're projecting it to be around two hundred and eight, two hundred and nine million, which right now the Giants are right up against. Oh, so they're they're screwed up against the the increased yeah. cap. Yes, that's correct. Oh boy, 
Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. That answered my question. And by the way, and and Neil, and Neil, I, I, by the way, Neil, I, I, I don't want to depress you even more. But with two first round picks at five and seven, you need to increase the amount of money that you need to save for your draft class as well. So you probably have to save upwards of ten million dollars just to sign your draft class. And it's not a good year for trading down, allegedly. It, it, well, usually, know. usually without a top quarterback, it. It, it makes it difficult, but, you know, who knows? It's very early. Yeah, it depends okay. on what they All want right. to do. Maybe well, they want to accumulate the picks right for choice. the following year, too, which they could wind up doing. Right. Let's hope we make the right choices for the GM and the coach and uh, turn this around. <clears throat> Thank you, Neil. Well, I mean, the bottom Thank line is – Appreciate the call. The quick fix is not going to come through free agency anyway. I mean, this team has to turn things around through the draft. Sure. So, you know, even if you're concerned about the salary cap – and. Here's the thing. In the National Football League, you could always create cap space. Every team could do that. So I don't get so bottled up in the numbers. It's just how much do you want to sacrifice for the long-term viability of your team? You can create space here or there, but eventually you're going to have to then pay the piper. Mm-hmm. So, And this, by you- the way, Lance, is that conversation we had last year when they did create all that space, and what's the result? Next year, the cap, you're not going to have a lot of space because you pushed yeah. a lot of stuff down the road. Exactly. So you can continue to push it down the road. It's just we're going to have this conversation then in 2023 and 2024. So when callers call up and they're like, well, I'm looking at the numbers online, the Giants, they can create more cap space. But then we're going to revisit this for the following year and then after that. So right. That's and, and, really and Lance, by the way, to your point, to. Did you just, you know, I, that was just me. Again, I just want to stress with everybody that I'm not advocating moving on from any of those guys or anything like that. I'm just literally reading you the numbers off the computer screen. The other way you can do it with guys like Bradbury and Martinez, who on the last year of their contracts, Lance, is you could extend those guys. And then you can try to move some of that money down the road a little bit. That is another way you could do it. Yeah, which is why I keep going back to there are mechanisms to create cap space. When anybody says, well, this team has no cap space, yes, right now they may not have any cap space, but that doesn't mean they can't do something to improve it. The salary cap, the way the salary cap works in the National Football League is it's fluid. That's the best way to describe it. It never stays where it's at one moment because the minute you make transactions or a trade, things change, and then the numbers go up every single year. So that either helps you or hurts you depending on your situation. Right, and and Jeff, real quick, I'll just say this. Even if they are super aggressive with that, though, Lance, it's going to be really difficult unless you really kick the can down Mm -hmm. the road here with some of this stuff. Let's say you even managed to free up $20 million, right? Free up $25 million even. You got to save ten for the draft class, so you're still looking at ten to fifteen million, and that's not significant to make a splash. Yeah. No. And remember, do you remember what Dave Gettleman said about your cap? How you got you like to have a little money over there in savings if you can, because things happen during the season where well, you and need they ran to trade. Into that this year, Jeff. Yeah. Because and they, you by know, the way, had so much flexibility to yeah. sign guys when guys got hurt. Yeah. Right. And remember yeah. this. You look what happened the last game of the season, why there was only three inactives. Just, you know, sometimes that's all you can have. Well, not to mention you know, a lot of guys hurt. but And you know, COVID, too, played a role and in COVID, that And well. COVID, exactly. Yeah. So sometimes you can't bring guys up because, remember, when you bring guys up from the practice squad, they now are become active squad, which now kicks in your normal contract. So you're going from practice squad money to now a, a regular NFL contract and if a team doesn't have enough money to bring, you know, all those guys up because of what happened with COVID and injuries, you're kind of you're stuck, and it's a hard hard thing to handle. And by the way, you know, out of the nine interviews that they had this last week, this was a big topic amongst all those guys: is how are we going to handle this, or how are you going to handle? Great this? point. 
And so that's that's probably, uh, you know, and I, I would imagine that every one of them, just like us, and, and Lance knows and made a good point that you can free up some money, but there's only so much you can do. So in the grand scheme of things, guys, next year, and even Dave Gettleman and um, Abrams told us in their press conference, remember, listen, next year is going to be tough, going to be real tough. So I think 23 is, is a very optimistic year to start looking at things as far as, a, in my opinion, the whole soup to nuts improvement of the football team going forward cap space free agents drafts guys coming into their own i think 23 is a realistic number to look at and to your point jeff if you're a team coming off a four-win season here like the giants are right do you really want to start trying to manipulate the salary cap and hurt yourself down the road to make improvements now i'm not, not sure i'm a gm i'm no. not sure that's the route you want to take there you know what no. i mean i want to evaluate the roster and then i have some questions with guys i don't want to get rid of but you, i'm willing to keep them on next year to try to prove to me that they're worth staying and then you by only, the way jeff and just yeah. you, you almost just want to take your punishment now right and you I, deal with it now so you're I think better you got to take your medicine and i, I think you're you're kind of you're kind of forced to for what was what was you're kind of you know what do they say you know you play the hand you're dealt and that's kind of what you're doing here so you know you're hoping you get a good poker player here the guy that can come in and play some cards you know <laughs> we'll <laughs> see what right. happens yeah. well the other thing is and i know the new gm has no ties to what transpired in previous years but there are obviously people still within the organization if you look at the recent history 2016, right? They go out, they make the free agency splash. What happened? It lasted for one season. It got you to 11 wins, and then all of a sudden, you had to pay the price for that. And then last year, I don't think was as significant of a splash, but you went out, right? You got a Dory Jackson, you got Kenny Galladay. And listen, there's a lot of factors we can revisit till we're blue in the face why this season went downhill. But the bottom line is the two recent examples mm-hmm. of when the Giants were a little bit aggressive in trying to patch up issues in free agency. The results obviously were either short-lived or non-existent. So I think you have Giants past and previous history to go by, which is more of a reason why you don't want to just throw money at the wall and assume that that's going to all of a sudden result in a quick fix. Hey, look, and I know fans always get mad at me because I always tell them going to the free agency. Be careful, and all the fans want to spend. Not all of them. I shouldn't say that. There is a part of the fan base that always wants to spend, and my message is always, guys, look. The best way to do this is build through the draft and then re-sign your own players. Sure, right? if you can. Yeah. Because yeah. those are the guys that you know the most about. They've grown up in your organization. You know about them, and you know what you're getting. When you're bringing somebody in from the outside off that first contract, you know, weird things happen. and Sometimes it doesn't work out. There's a reason that original team didn't want that player, and things can get a little dicey there. So if, if you can, and again, you have to draft well enough to operate that's that way. What, that's exactly right. And, you know that you drafted well if you're trying to sign your own guys back. Right. You and your results. And yeah. you're constantly losing guys because other teams want them, right? That means you're doing a good job yeah, with your draft. you can't drafting. keep everybody. Correct. And if you have to chase guys in for agency, it probably means that you haven't drafted well enough. Mm-hmm. Well, because you're trying to patch up those holes. Correct. And yeah. that's what has happened with the Giants. But then again, you get into salary cap issues by continuing to do that, exactly. John. Because what gives you relief in the salary cap? Draft picks. Because, yes, they cost you money. As you mentioned, you have to budget accordingly. But they're not costing you nearly as much as a proven commodity. And not to get off topic, but if we just look at the playoff teams this year and the ones that are moving on, the common element is also the majority of those teams built through the draft. For example, Buffalo, 
They added Stephon Diggs. That was their major splash that helped Josh Allen. Well, that was a trade, though, too, right? Correct. Well, yeah, but I'm looking. I guess trades free agency, I look sort of in a similar way, John, because you're absorbing somebody that probably is making good money, and you have to have room for that. So, you know, the Rams, for example, right? They bring in Von Miller. They added Odell Beckham. But that's the complementary piece, the core. Correct. The Cam Akers, some of the offensive linemen, Aaron Donald, the guys on the back end of the secondary. Majority of them were drafted and developed. So, you you know, that to me is the theme. You get good by drafting well. Then you add to your drafted foundation through free agency to put you over the top. Yeah. That's how I if, if I, if I'm the one at the controls, that's how I would try to go about my business. Anyway, we got two more calls we got to get in. Uh, that was a longer conversation than I expected. Let's go to Rick in Jacksonville. He's up next. Rick, what's going on? Fellas, how you doing? Great. Good. What's going on? All right. Longtime Giant fan, sat on the goal line in old Yankee Stadium with my grandfather in Hawaii, Italy. Nice. Behind that third base dugout. Were you next okay. to Paul Dottino? Yes, I was. These, <laughs> <laughs> I've been yes, I was. these fellas. I've been, I've been wearing giant T-shirts for a long time. Here's my question. Who is in the selection committee for the GM and head coach? Because we have failed miserably for 12 years in getting right the head coach, getting the GM right. You guys with all that wonderful, wonderful mumbo-jumbo about draft classes and cap space. Boy, all that sexiness is fantastic if the right people are in spots <laughs> making the right decisions. Who is helping the, the, the Mara family, who I have a great respect for, and their love for the Giants, who is helping them filter these interviews? Because while I'm reading, it's the two Maras uh, and Mr. Tish, and I don't think those guys are talented enough right now or haven't proved to me over the years they can get the right guy. Hey, look, John Mara said in this press conference last week that he understands if fans don't have confidence based on what's happened over the past few years. Uh, they have not announced anybody um, that's kind of a, you know, part of like a search a committee or, or consultant. Yeah. Thank you, Lance. Something yeah. like that. You know, Ernie, of course, he helped them when they yep. went through the Dave Gettleman thing. So they have not announced any name like that. Needless to say, John and Chris and, and Steve all have, you know, contacts around the league that they'll talk to and they'll get advice from and stuff like that. But they, Rick, they have not made any sort of formal announcement as to anyone that's advising them on, on this decision very disappointing and I, and I get the relationships they have in the league and I and I get how much they care and watch but we we've, we've we've swung and missed for a long time fellas for a long time and and you know I just wonder what Mr. Parcells is doing can we make a phone call to get a little bit of a tidbit from the big tuna, I don't know. There's a lot of guys out there. Well, Rick, I'm sure do. some of that goes on. They I just mean, haven't announced say, it. Yeah, right? they just have it yeah. publicly announced. For example, Parcells has some connections to some of the GM candidates. So I'm sure they ran them by Parcells to get his opinion. I hope and so. I'll take it a step further, Rick. When Joe Judge was being considered, you don't think a conversation occurred with Bill Belichick? Oh, of course it did. So, well, okay. And, so, and no, no. And I, wanted to be in, I wanted to be in that room because I'm having a hard time believing that Belichick stood up and pounded the desk and said, you've got to take this guy. He's ready. Well, but that just goes to show you, Rick, that even the guys that you hold in very high regard, sometimes even their recommendations don't always turn out. <clears throat> yeah, I hear you. So I there's the you. evidence. So, I mean, you could tell me. I'm going to take your terminology. I'm going to throw it back at you. You were telling us about the mumbo-jumbo sexiness. I mean, that was just the reality of the NFL structure. So you want the sexy names. You want the big tuna. You want Belichick no, no, in the no. room. Okay. No, I, I, I want the, some decision-makers that can make the right call 
on getting the right type of people. The thing that Belichick does so well, he's a tremendous evaluator. He gets them right on a regular basis for the most part. Well, Rick, uh, they've, Rick, they've had some trouble in the draft, though, in fairness, recently. And Rick, so I'll, I'll I don't just, know if that's necessarily accurate. For every single NFL franchise, there is one person that hires the GM. That's the owner. Mm-hmm. That's how I it works that. across the league. So they could ask people's advice, bring in somebody to help with the, with the search committee or everyone or consulting, all that stuff. In the end, this is the guy that's going to run your organization that the Maras have basically dedicated their lives to and Steve Tisch has dedicated his life to. They're going to be the ones that have to make the ultimate decision regardless of who they take advice from. That is not a decision that you allocate off to a third party. And look. No, and, and I'm not saying you should. I'm saying right. I, I have a respect for them. But we've missed on this, this little group. Boy, we, we've stubbed our toe enough for me to go, wait a minute. We need some help with this. Yeah, but Rick, remember, four years ago when they hired Dave Gettleman, they did have help. They don't need a Corsi. Well, I, I mean, you might be right. Yeah, you could be right there. I don't know that to be true, and I trust that it is. Oh, well, no, Rick, no, Rick, it is. Rick they we publicly we, even announced no, it. We, we, we had already a Corsi yeah. on the show the day they hired I Dave remember, Gettleman. Yeah. Paul and I were in studio <laughs> yes. with Ernie Corsi when they introduced Dave Gettleman. And if you remember, we had a conversation about Dave Gettleman Thank and you, how he differs and is similar to Jerry Reese and so forth because that was a big narrative. He was in the room with us. Yes. Yes. Yes, 100%. that was very. He was at the press conference. I was present in that room. I can assure you that Ernie Acorsi admitted to us that he was part of the process. You could go yes. back on the archive and find it. You it's can. There. You can find it. I remember like it was yesterday. Yes, even though it seemed like 15 years ago. So absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys, let, let's wrap it up with Charlie in Portland, Maine, who I'm sure had an excellent weekend watching NFL football. Charlie, hello. Hey guys. Yeah, I did. It was great. I wanted Kansas City. I wanted the Rams. That's what I'm hoping for the Super Bowl, at least. And I got to send my my son Odell. He uh, played really well, and I'm glad that he finally won a playoff game. He played well, and I want to see. He him played get very well. Super Bowl. <clears throat> he did play yeah. very well. Yep. Yep. And uh, there's one uh, stat that I just saw. Uh, it was the Bengals and the Titans actually had a worse offensive line than we did. And both of those teams are in the in the playoffs. So it isn't only offensive line. It depends on your quarterback. According to whose you know, statistics, really, just out of curiosity? Uh, I think it was uh, P, uh, Pro Football Focus. They rated the lines. We were 30th. Uh, the Titans were tied with us, and the Bengals were actually 31st in offensive line. So there you go. So it isn't just offensive line. You need coaching. You need a good head coach. Charlie, we've said on the show a million times, the quarterback's the most important position on the field. Why do you keep (laughs) acting like we don't say this all the time? Well, if you did, then you'd realize that Daniel Jones is not elite and we're never going to win with him. Period. And and that's what you guys should say. We need to get another quarterback. And by the way, and Charlie, by the way, I don't know where you get your, your numbers from. I'm literally looking at... And final 2021 NFL offensive line rankings from Pro Football Focus, okay? I'm looking at them right now. They have the Dolphins right. last at 32. They have the Panthers at 31, the Giants at 30, yeah. 
The Texans at 29. Yep. The Raiders at 28. I'm still looking for the two teams you said were tied with the Giants. The Falcons at 27. The Steelers at 26. Still waiting for them. Seahawks at 25. Jaguars at 24. Oh, still not in the bottom I'll 10. Oh, we got the Vikings. I'm reading it off the internet. I, 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 Minnesota Vikings at 23. Bears at 22. So then you'll know. thought we were going to get okay, by yeah, without Schmelk yelling. They have, the, <laughs> they have the Titans ranked I, I, I got, at 16. Okay. That's why it sounded <laughs> off to me it when might, he said it. It might have it. not yeah. been pro football focused. But okay. Reputable and, organization. And the Bengals at 20. I'm sure it was a reputable organization. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I'll send it to you. Lance, yes, since please. I can't send it to you. I'll send it to John. Then John can <laughs> send, send it to John. To John will send so it to my people, and my people will send it to me. Yes. And look at the stats that I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. Well, but so in, in, in fairness, is, though, a random number ranking an offensive line also doesn't tell the whole story about the offensive line. Okay. So, you know, let's at least be honest in terms Did of our I assessment. There were the also, also, if you remember, I Tennessee lost Derrick Henry that. this season. So, you know, that impacted their run game when you lose your workhorse. Right. You also, Tennessee had what? lost A.J. Brown and Julio Jones at times this season. So, you know, you're the one yep. campaigning that it's not just the offensive line. I just threw you other factors that impacted Tennessee to a certain degree. All right, so now I'm looking yeah, at I'm looking at ES, I'm looking at ESPN's pass block win rate. That's a metric that they have. That does not include run block now. This is just pass block win rate. They have the Giants at 28th, they have the Bengals at 30th, and they have the Titans at 24th. There you go. Okay. But again, that does not that, that is not that does not include run block win rate. In which the Bengals rank right. tenth, and the Giants rank where uh, the Giants had run block win rate. They are fourteenth. It also didn't match the numbers he threw out. Correct. So, it's definitely not ESPN that he's you, turning to. I will send you that. I, I'm I looking forward to it. I can't, I can't right wait because I'm on the phone, but I will. Sure, it wasn't from last year, Charlie. <laughs> 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 Look, and the other thing is, you you said that you know we would dealt this hand. No, Gettleman dealt that hand. He's the one that decided to we need all these uh, playmakers around Jones and trying to uh, soar up a mediocre, injury-prone quarterback. And so now we're in cap hell. So, I mean, he decided to do that. Well, okay? no, 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 Charlie. Well, look, the, the decisions with the salary cap, those are decisions made by the general manager, and the current salary cap situation is a decision of this past regime. No one's arguing that. That's absolutely true. Correct. All right. Okay. That's, what, that's all I'm saying. All I'm saying is, we need a quarterback. And if you guys don't see that this team needs a quarterback, Charlie, even before fixing this offensive line, I am line, wide open. An elite quarterback. That's fine. Okay. How do okay. you find one? Tell, right. t- tell me where they're All finding right. your elite quarterback. What's your plan for that? All right. Jimmy G might be available. Russell Wilson might be available. Who else did he say after Jimmy G? I didn't hear. Russell Wilson. Did you say Jimmy Garoppolo is an elite quarterback? Did those words just come out of your mouth? He's in the playoffs. His team's in the playoffs. Charlie, it's amazing to me. You contradict yourself every five seconds. You go, Jimmy G's in the playoffs, but then you argue there's other factors that help a quarterback. Lance, did you see him play in the playoffs? Yeah, and I don't think Jimmy G had an electric performance. I think the Dallas defense actually was a big reason why the Cowboys were still in the game. The the Niners' offense didn't do anything in the second half of that game. And they only scored 16 offensive points. He didn't have to? Okay, Okay, so so basically, so what you're saying is you can have an elite quarterback, he could decide to show up when he needs to, is now we're arguing. 
No, what I'm saying is Jimmy G is a thousand times better than Daniel Jones. Oh, so totally is, disagree with that. So isn't everybody else. You don't agree with that? That Jimmy Garoppolo is a How thousand times better than Daniel Jones? No, I don't believe that for a second. Look at, look at okay, a hundred times? I think Garoppolo is a solid quarterback that you can win with. I would not necessarily put him in the elite category. Oh, thank you, Lance. Can you win with Jones? I don't think so. I think if you parachuted a healthy Daniel Jones into the 49ers situation, he put up almost identical numbers. Identical. No, he wouldn't. Look, okay, I'm not going to argue with it. All I'm going to say is we need a quarterback. So let's just start talking about that. Not with Charlie. We were lo- the draft. Charlie, we're on board for an elite quarterback. They don't okay, grow good. on trees. There's maybe eight of them in the entire I league. I know. Well, I, it's nice to hear you finally guys say that Jones isn't an elite quarterback. When did we ever I, say I, I Daniel we Jones yeah, was wasn't? When did we ever say Daniel Jones was an elite quarterback? Charlie, how many times on this show have I said that the offense struggled no matter who the quarterback was this season? That it wasn't just necessarily the turning point of Mike Glennon. The offense struggled all season. Charlie, do you want to give up your two first-round draft picks in the top ten for a quarterback? Who may yeah, not even be elite, Jeff. You know, or yeah. you're talking about oh, yeah. trade so, Okay, so you're going to bring your elite yeah. quarterback in, in behind the line that basically is third in the NFL from the bottom. That, 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 that Your elite quarterback is going to do fine with that line. And now you just lost your first hey. two. How, how are you going to improve with no money and no first-round draft picks your offensive line? Now you got a you got a good quarterback. What's he going to do? John was reading off those four or five guys. Four out of those five guys won't be on the team next year because they're going to need the cap space money. You don't need Martinez. You can get another linebacker that is that will do fine. Our defense did okay without him. So and then Bradbury, he wasn't Mr. Superstar this year. He was okay. He was superstar. His Who first needs year. a starting cornerback? Who needs a starting middle linebacker? We don't need these things. It'll be fine. We'll get, we'll get. We, hey, maybe. Yes, and Charlie. Yeah, but what then is you'll it? be calling back next year saying, you know, we probably should have kept Bradbury. We need a corner. Yeah, we Charlie, need a corner now. The, <laughs> no. No, but Charlie, he, no, but Charlie, here's the point. The $9 million you what? save by letting, or whatever it is, of leaving, letting go of Bradbury, if you want to bring in a good starting corner to replace him, you're, <laughs> you're using a good amount of that money anyway. Hey, there'll be some guy. Guys that are fairly inexpensive and uh, free agency. Oh, yeah. Are, you, you know how those great cheap corners, they're just all, you know, <laughs> those corners that don't cost any money, but they're look, great. Yeah. They're all over the yeah. place. Look, well, Bradbury, I heard Bobby Simon and like cousin. Bradbury He's a really good corner. So. Look, Bradbury was an elite. Bradbury was was fine, but he isn't an elite, you know, quarter cornerback. He's not. You know, we just got to admit that, and we're paying him too much money to be not elite. So we can find somebody who isn't quite as, you know, who is good, not, you know, and pay him less. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying is there's going to be a lot of changes on this roster. Sure there are. But well, when Charlie, a new GM comes in, it's natural. But there's only happen. so many resources that are available yeah. to make those changes because of the decisions they made in free agency last year. You're not going to change all 53 guys, Charlie. They're up against it. Ah, did we lose Charlie? Oh, too bad. Um, yeah, real shame. It, it's it, it's it's just very difficult. They're not in a position where they can just overhaul the roster without hurting themselves in the future, or however you want to do it. It's it's very difficult. Well, that's uh, what his response is. His response is basically get rid of everybody. Well, and he's always sure. the guy that says every free agency go sign a million guys to help your roster. That's how you get here. Yeah, you keep going in circles. 
Well, that's what a phone call is it's like, like a one Charlie, d- one-legged so. duck. <laughs> and by the way, you 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 can also save more money if you end up putting those. You know, if you cut guys and you put the money, you know, you make it a a, a, a June first cut. You can save more money that way too. But again, I don't think as a, as a four-win team, you're going to be in 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 the business of of pushing you know money down the road here. I'm not sure that's the way you want to operate. Well, I don't know if a new GM wants to put himself in that position. If right, this that's is what I'm year saying, one, right? right? And he's inheriting this situation. You really think he wants to now screw himself two or three years down the road if he understands that this could take a lengthy process? Yeah. Well, I mean, even why would even you want Charlie, to position yourself like even that? Even Charlie said the new eyes, new uh, what do you say? New eyes, new guys. By That's... the way, <laughs> and how about this? How about this little nugget for you here? So Jimmy Garoppolo, right? What are the two main complaints that Charlie has about Daniel Jones? Right? Interceptions. Right. Guess, okay. get, and availability. Guess guess which quarterback has a higher interception percentage, Jimmy Garoppolo or Daniel Jones? Okay. What about missing games? Well, yeah, missing games is the key to me. Well, how many yeah. games did Jimmy Garoppolo play last year? Well, Jimmy, that's, Rockle, that's, Jimmy Garoppolo played six games last year. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the he's hurt all the time. Concerned. Correct, yeah. yeah. Yep. So, so even if you bring in Jimmy G, you have to have a good backup that you're at least confident in. Because when was the last time Garoppolo played all 16 games? I'm not telling you Jimmy Garoppolo's a bad quarterback. To Lance's point, I think he's a, you know, middle-of-the-road, you know, there's like 15 of those guys out there. That you can put in there. He's going to do a competent job for you. He's going to be a good – he's going to be a starting quarterback for you. But, you know, Jonathan, you know, um, Jared Goff's in that category. You know, you can go down the list of a bunch of guys that are – that are in that group, but Jimmy Garoppolo also benefits from the fact that the 49ers have, you know, one of the best run games in football yeah. and a really good defense. And a creative play caller, too. Correct. So creative. Yeah. Wow, was he calling some, some plays there the other night. <laughs> just, I just, listen, Garoppolo's solid. Just, you got to also ask yourself, are you really upgrading yourself Correct. Immensely? Thank you. That's, I, I think, think so. the big question. Yeah. And, and by the way, that's a humongous upgrade. It's a unilateral move, but it's going to cost you a lot of money for a unilateral move, right? Yeah. I mean, Daniel Jones and and Garoppolo, yeah, okay, I'll take. They're both about the same same skill level, but one of them is going to make eight point eight million. The other one's going to make twenty eight point eight million. It's, it's not going to happen. Can't do it. And then you're going to limit your ability to address other areas of need that are going to wind up impacting the production you'd get out of a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, you don't limit it. You almost erase your ability to yeah. build around him. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, yeah. There's not. There's only two hundred eight million dollars available next year. Not not four hundred eight. It's this is this is a tough situation. And and by the way, this is like I said earlier, guys. And I know we got to go, but this has been a, a topic of discussion in these meetings this last week. Is how are we going to get back to you know how are we going to do this? You know, what, what are your ideas? What have you guys done in the past? What is your organizations that you guys have done, you know, what you're working for now, moving in a direction? Have you ever been in this situation before? If you have, how did you get out of it? You know, these are all important things to be asking these people. And the good ones, well, they get to be asked back this week. So we'll see. Appreciate it, guys. Yep. Thank you, guys. Good show. Sounds good. All right, later on. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow with another Big Blue Kickoff Live and new news to continue to track the Giants in the offseason. For Lance and Jeff, I'm Schmelk. We'll see you next time.